Welcome to Modern Musings, conversations with the maiden, mother, and crone, where we look at ourselves and the world through the lens of the 21st century. Hi, and welcome back. I'm your hostess, Cindy Murray, and I am here with my co-hosts, Amber Garvin and Kristen Hessler. Guess what? I said your name the right way. Yay! <laughs> you didn't even say hi. Hi. No one said hi. Y'all were like, yay! <laughs> okay, we're we're like really lame today, I guess. Maybe it's that time. We're, I don't know. Um, we're talking today about motherhood and menopause. Maybe some menstruation, you know, I don't know. We're, it, it's that, uh, it's, it's all the things your mother never talked about. Um, and so, uh, this is probably our second really girly, girly. I oh, know I said this was the first, this is our first really, truly girly, girly, um, episode. Kind of women's, that, only really? women's only topic. I think so. Um, because everything else I think we've done, we could have could be easily applied uh, to our male listeners. But uh, well, maybe uh, our male listeners will learn something from this. So the know. one thing that stuck with me from women's studies, because I went to a woman's college. Yes. Uh, and I had to take a women's studies course, is that men have periods. What? Not in, not in a sense that well, they, where they do bleed, have PMS, but they have like they, they get a cycles. little irritated. Yes. Yeah, they have cycles. They get a little irritated every month, just like women do. So and so psychologically, they have periods. They okay. go through things as well. So and it, well, and they do have a, a sort of menopause where they yeah menopause menopause yeah, yeah. Okay. Man, oh my god is that a word menopause, <laughs> menopause. I just made it a word I, it, I, I think I've heard it I before, like it but, <laughs> but uh, so if you're going through menopause you listen up as well it well might help I would think you. even if you're not maybe maybe you need to have some insight about somebody about your, else yeah you know, somebody special yeah <laughs> uh, your wife or whatever. Um, so I, you know, I've, uh, I've gone through menopause, uh, you know, I'm the crone. So, um, I'm 58 years old and, um, I actually had a hysterectomy when I was 43, but I still had my ovaries. So I did not go through menopause then, but a lot of things change, you know, the older you get, things just start changing. And, um, some of it was surprising, you know, the only things that I ever, heard about menopause was that you have hot flashes uh nobody told me how early they start nobody told me how long they last nobody told me how miserable they are um and then uh i knew that supposedly women get a little irrational or have a lot of mood swings um <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna back up from that so um i started having perimenopause in my early 40s, uh, at least, cause that's when I started having hot flashes. Let me put it that way. And I felt like I was on fire. Um, my mother would say, I need a fan. And she just kept a fan going all the time. And I thought, God, you're just being so ridiculous. But I, I came to find that just having that air movement on me kept me from, you know, I would still have the hot flash or whatever. But... Um, it, I just had no idea what they felt like. And 
when I started having them, they were bad. But then after I went through breast cancer and was on medication um, to inhibit my my estrogen uh, output, that really kicked up my hot flashes a tremendous amount. And I really thought sometimes I was just going to combust, you know, like mm-hmm. spontaneous combustion. It, it starts kind of in my chest, uh, upper abdomen, chest, um, thorax area, and it just gets bigger and swells up and swells up until my head, I mean, it could be 30 degrees and I have sweat pouring off of me. I'm so hot. Uh, my temperature, if I take my, you know, put a thermometer in my mouth, my temperature has not changed. Um, the room temperature has not changed, but mm-hmm. my body just thinks that I am super hot and I'm just pouring down sweat, just soaking wet. And after time uh, of dealing with this, I also came to realize that I can have cold flashes. Mm-hmm. So what happens with that is before I have a hot flash, I will get a chill and I will like have goosebumps and I'm cold and I need to put a jacket on. And within minutes of that, then I'm having that hot flash. Um, fans help, fans help. Um, but I don't know anything that makes it go away. I've tried all of the supplements, the black cohosh, the whatever, you know, all the things. Um, I had to be really careful about what I could take because some of the supplements um, are estrogen-like or they are plant estrogens. And so if you are a cancer patient, there are some warnings about that because you're trying to inhibit the estrogen. So, you know, obviously I can't wear the patch or do any kind of hormone replacement. Um, But, you know, I've tried all these things. There are a few things that helped a little bit. And um, like I said, these, these went on from the time that I was in my early... 40. I've, I've been having these hot flashes for well over 10 years and, and I, they're lesser now, but they're still there. And, you know, there's, there are some things you can do to help with them. And we'll talk about some of those. Um, a lot of young women don't realize you can actually start having that perimenopause, the hot flashes and things like that in your mid thirties. So, um, there's a lot of things that start happening um, and nobody ever told, told us that either. And there's some other things that go with menopause. So um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I just, I think it's bears repeating, you know, mm-hmm. even with uh, among the other things, you know, that the uh, other things that people never told us about, you know, so um, because we just don't talk about those things and, we're getting better about that. I think our, our society is getting a little more open about those things and not being so, yeah. Oh, that's so embarrassing, you know, but you know, they used to call it the change cause they couldn't say oh, the word. That's what my grandmother right. it called, called it. She's going yeah. through the change. change. And yeah. you know, I remember hearing that. And, on and I, well, and I remember it and, and, uh, it, he doesn't listen to this podcast, but a good friend of ours one time we were, I, I wanted to hit him upside the head because we were sitting out on the porch and we we're talking about, uh, I don't know, politics or something, you know, and he said, well, you know, I think that, you know, 
once a woman goes through menopause, she'll probably be more stable. You know, it was something like she might make a good president because by then she'll be more stable or something, you know. And I know you know who exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, I, I really just kind of came unglued. But there was this idea that women, before they've gone through menopause, are unstable. Um, uh, there's lots of snide talk about pregnant Some women and man's and, idea. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, if a woman gets, um, emotional or if a woman is angry, then it, she must be PMS having PMS. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we'll talk about that too, but, um, but you know, the, the whole idea that women just get irrational during menopause, you know, is, is crazy. Um, that's like my least favorite thing when someone, if I'm feeling a certain way and someone says, are you on your period? Like, how like, rude to invalidate my feelings by, by saying, saying that, that it's, yeah. that, you know. Because, because, uh, and this is what I think guys don't realize, is that just because you are expressing your feelings when you have PMS does not mean you don't feel those, those feelings, feelings right? all the time. You just... Might it's just you're more, more willing to more um less inhibited mm -hmm. in expressing your anger or your dissatisfaction or mm -hmm. whatever so those feelings all have a basis in something and that, that's what i was saying I, we're gonna get to that because mm -hmm. i i that makes me crazy anytime a man wants to write off what you think or what you're saying because you're well, even women do it too it's oh yeah just men it, yes absolutely they do and and it's uh it does not invalidate the things that you are thinking or the things that you feel or the things that you're expressing um yes your reaction to those things may be a little more intense than it normally would but it doesn't mean that those feelings those thoughts wouldn't exist if you weren't having PMS or menopause or, or pregnancy. Um, yes, the hormones kick those things up a little bit or the lack of them or whatever, but that, that doesn't invalidate them. And that just makes me crazy. Uh, I don't know why we belittle each other, particularly women, uh, over that so much because it really is sabotaging other women to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think inherent inherently that women are kind of bred or conditioned in either at home or in the media to treat other women that way. Oh, absolutely. That's that whole cat fight kind of thing, you know. Yeah, alpha to, female. Yes, yeah. that that you have to be in competition with the other females yes. in the office. If there's um, a especially if there's a man in the room, you have to be the best female for yes. the man. Yes. And um and I and you see that or I've I've worked in lots of offices where it was mostly females and I will honestly tell you I can't stand working in an office with a bunch of females because there are so many females that are so dismissive and competitive with other females. And the way that women tend to do it is very different than the way men do it. Men do it by being ambitious mm -hmm. and working really hard, um, being very competitive to do a better job. Women but do women it by do trying it. to cut your legs off. Yes, like. women cut other women down in order yeah. to succeed. And 
I don't know why we have done that to ourselves. Um, I'd like to see that culture change. And uh, we should never belittle other women, you know, for any reason. You know, there's it's rude. Yeah. It's, it's not kind. It's not humane. It's not appropriate. Um, I just, I don't like that. I don't at all. And I don't want to work in an office where I, I've, I've left jobs because of that. I'm so fortunate that where I work, it's not like that. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm not saying everywhere is. I mean, I've um, had I some mean, I've awkward left jobs coworkers like that, that well. made mm-hmm. situations arise, but I've never felt threatened by other females in the workplace. Well, like I, you know, I never felt threatened by the other females but apparently other females have Have felt felt threatened threatened, by me um or by other females in the office because they spend their time trying to knock them down knock them down knock them down well i had an ex-boss that would pick a random this is like not where i'm working now but like schools and schools ago where she would pick random female teachers and bully them mm-hmm. and bully them and try to get them to quit so yeah. she can get a male into the position. Yeah. I I don't understand that either. I don't. I really don't. Um, back to our um, motherhood, menopause, uh, all that. Um, one of the things that nobody ever told me about menopause which which i think is very odd um and some people some people will argue with this some people say that your sex drive lowers and some people say that the sex drive actually goes up because you have the freedom of not worrying about being pregnant anymore and things like that good Kristen's going I don't want to talk about this mom no uh, Amber and I were just laughing because we were just talking about wonder if we're going to talk about that or not <laughs> um well I mean I answer um I I think um I think there's a little truth to both probably but um I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest because, you know, things that my mother didn't talk about. I know, well, actually, I say my mother didn't talk about it, but I do recall my mother getting a little loose-lipped about having more sex drive than my dad. And I was like, I don't want to hear it. You know, but. Um. Well, like, supposedly <laughs> women, they go in phases. Like, right. men, it's more when they're younger. It, yes, and women, and, and it it's declines. more when they're older like yes. it'll so it's kind of they kind of go back yes. up after right. menopause uh-huh. like it, hence the whole idea of having a cougar yeah right. so like right. after menopause right. it's well, supposed think, to go up maybe not during I think menopause some of that but too after. is that at, by the time that a woman is um at the at the stage of menopause she feels a lot more comfortable in her own skin um, she's more confident it takes a while to get there. Yeah. It, it just kind of takes you a while. And, and part of that is our society because we've been taught girls, good girls don't, you know, and things like that. And, um, we were just talking about on the last episode, those, um, uh, gender roles, gender roles and things. And, and at the end, after we hit the, um, hit the stop button, we were saying, why, you know, why didn't we talk about 
role reversal in dating dating and proposals and and initiating sex and things like that because um those things also you know as you get older you're more confident in yourself to do you know Mm -hmm. to do that and um and again the whole idea of i don't have to worry about getting pregnant anymore you know or whatever well, um, I, it's also like you were talking about role reversal and everything like that and dating. It's also like very appealing. And, you know, I know this like from going through the whole dating process as somebody in my late 30s, you know, a couple, a few years ago, that um, younger men find an older woman more appealing because you know she knows what they, she wants they know what they want and what to do and how to do it yeah whereas younger women um don't. they lack the confidence they don't know um you know women are and i don't know if this is still true or not because i'm not out there in the dating world or whatever but often women are less experienced some you know sometimes than the men are be, because of those role um Gender expectations, expectations, yeah. yeah. And and there's things, you know, there's things like that. But there's also things that with with menopause that come along in that, um, that's the sexual area that, you know, you have the atrophy of, you know, as you get older, the estrogen is what um, keeps you lubricated. It keeps the... The tissues built up and soft and healthy and, you know, reactive or whatever. So there's, there are definitely some downsides there, but, um, there's, you know, lots of things that can, you know, there's products that can be purchased and things like that, that change, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to keep it kind of healthy, family clean, you know, here, Uh but, but, uh, I don't know, but, uh, but, you know, it's like, um, you can deal with this. You can deal with that stuff. So, but, um, (laughs) going backwards through time, let, you know, let's talk about some of the things your mother never told you about having babies. You know, there's some, there's some pretty cringeworthy things there that your mom never told you too. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, my my mother never told me anything. (laughs) Yeah. Mine didn't either, really. Um, I don't Mine know. didn't either. She gave you me know, a book. You know, like the, the quote unquote talk, yes. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I never got that. Uh, lots of girls and don't. Um, you know, I went off to college and met my ex boyfriend Jared, and my grandma was the one who was like, "Well." I guess you need to be on birth control now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was cringe <laughs> because it was my grandma. Yeah, And yeah. my mom was just avoiding the whole thing. Yeah, they don't want to think about that. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. You know, with, uh, you know, Raina coming of her age, you know, we were expecting it to happen. You know, any day now for like a year, we're like, yeah, it's going to happen soon. It probably happened soon. And so we had to like mentally prepare ourselves to have that talk with her because it wasn't something I wasn't just going to like blurt it out. Like I needed to sit down and have the talk. So I wanted to make sure like I knew what I was going to say and that it was a good appropriate setting. So she didn't feel like ambushed or distracted even. Well, and you and. And, you know, a lot of times, like, my mother, like, she handed me a book, you know, and it was like, 
it was almost like this is something I'm not going to talk about. And so that makes it something you want to avoid that you don't want to have. You know, it's I think that that attitude comes over. But I think the way that you, you know, approached it with with Raina is a lot more open. Yeah. All three of us, even dad was involved and, in the discussion. And was very and factual and there was nothing, you know, nothing hidden, nothing. It's not something secretive. Um, mm-hmm. It's not something um, dirty or horrible or whatever. It's just a fact of life. Yeah. It's biology. Yeah. And I was really happy when that day came, she came immediately and told me, then I was like, yes, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. Because I normalized it, was, it, and she was ready for it when it happened. And, and she was very matter-of-fact about it. Yeah, not, and she didn't have, like, this, like, overwhelming, you know, like, some girls, like, break down. Yeah. When they Oh, no, out. it happened. Yeah. 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 And some of them don't even know that it's coming. So I was really glad yeah. that we were able to talk to her about it before someone else did or uh-huh. it showed up you know yes so that was my biggest fear was that she was going to learn about the birds and the bees from her friends at school versus from us yeah and because uh, that happened to one of my friends she got all of her education from her junior high classmates and yeah well see you know. we actually when I was in fifth grade we had to take a class where we yeah went in and we watched a video yeah yeah and then uh we were like nine eight or you know nine ten or whatever and we had to go in and watch a video uh you know this is what coming of age is yeah for a woman and Mm -hmm. they took care of that in my school and then you know like uh a week later it was really weird it was like we all fall down, I guess. Uh, so and so got their time or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And but then, like, I was expecting it to happen. Yeah. But then, you know, with the body issues that I learned about in my mid twenties, you know, it didn't happen like I was expecting it to right, happen. Right. And you know, And I know I've probably talked about this before on my podcast because we're talking about menopause and everything like that, is that um, in my mid to late 20s, uh, they discovered that I had tumors on my ovaries and I had to have my ovaries removed. And my lack of that was due to those tumors they said that I had been growing mm-hmm. since high school or earlier. So it was just kind of like my fate was doomed either way that I wasn't going to have a normal experience right? like other children did. Well, and I think that's one of the things, too, is, uh, you know, we, we, we set up this expectation because of the way it, the way it's handled sometimes that um, girls think it's going to happen, you know, 12 or 13 years old, but a lot of times, and, and this is one of the mistakes that some parents make, sometimes those, the girls are getting them younger and younger and younger. Yeah, it can start as early as eight. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can you imagine how frightening that is to an eight-year-old to have their period and know nothing about 
what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, and likewise, there are girls and friends of mine who did not start until they were 15 and 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And they thought something was wrong with them that they, and it it can be much later than that. It it can be very normal to start late like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, but also this is where that good communication with mom uh, or dad or whoever comes come is needs to happen because there are um, things like like with Amber um, and other people where um, you know that things are not developed properly and they don't get a period they won't get a period but they need to know that you know because if you have that good com- communication with your mom, um, then she'll know that it hasn't happened, mm-hmm. you know, for you. And, you know, they can, you know, after time. Determine if yeah. you need to seek. Right. If you need to seek medical assistance or mm-hmm. whatever. We're because uh, I know of people who have other instances where they um, were physically unable to have one and didn't know it until they were much older. And, you know, and, and they figured that out. So, um, so I think, you know, it's really good to have that good communication. Now my mom, like I said, my mother did not communicate with me. Um, when I was about third grade, she was prepared. I mean, you know, she, she was thinking ahead. So, you know, when I was in third grade, I would have been eight, nine, eight, turning nine, probably. And she got me a book, um, about it. And, uh, and she bought me training bras, you know, um, cause I guess I had started developing maybe at that point. And, um, I did not start my period until much later. I did not start until I was 13, but, um, everywhere, you know, from the time I was probably 11, anywhere I went, if I went to go spend the night at my grandmother's or went for the summer somewhere, you know, to my grandmother's or whatever, my mother would always make me pack pads just in mm-hmm. case. And I just, I was so frustrated by that because I was just, it was like she was trying to hurry it along. And that's the way I felt, you know, and I was like, I don't want this mm-hmm. to start. But um, that was the way I felt, like she was trying to push it along. She's just sure yeah. that it's going to happen. I wonder if she was just afraid you were going to get caught off guard. That oh, was I'm my sure she was, but with, she didn't. With Raina, too. I think I it's that lack of communication. Mm-hmm. She didn't say, I'm putting this in here. Uh, you need to take this just in case because that way you'll have it and you won't have to ask somebody for it, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. But she didn't say that. Um, she just would put them in there. And I, like I said, I, you know, at 11, 12 years old, I thought she was just like, what are you trying to make me? want to have it or you know I don't know what I thought but it just it felt very uncomfortable to me um likewise she never taught me how to use a tampon um I learned that from one of my aunts um because we went I was uh young we went I went to my aunt's house for the summer and we went to the lake to go camping and we were swimming and I had my period I didn't want to wear a pad into the lake and they were trying, they tried to help me learn how to use a tampon so that I could swim. And, but my mother never taught me how to do that. So she also never taught me how to shave my legs. That same aunt was the one who taught me that. So, um, 
I don't know how much of that problem is just my mother's lack of communicating those things or her embarrassment at those things or what. Maybe that, a little bit of both. May, maybe and so. I wonder if it's because she didn't spend enough time with her mom maybe because she was so young young when when she she got got married married, yeah um you know her mom probably didn't spend too much time talking to her about those things either and she probably learned a lot of those things from her older sister Mm -hmm. so um that could be it as well but um but yeah i don't know it's uh like i said it was very awkward so i'm really proud of you because it felt like you had handled it the way I I wish everybody could have it handled because it is just a biological fact of life. Like going to the bathroom or blowing your nose, you know, it's, it's really no different. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate that we treat it so differently that we make it such a hush, 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 dirty thing that, you know, I, I, I don't like that. Um, at the same time, I used to be totally embarrassed when they first started doing um, pad commercials and tampon commercials on TV and stuff because I thought that was like totally inappropriate. But I think that has is what has helped make those things more open and discussable, mm-hmm. you know. So. I think the first time that it was completely like, oh, wow, I can actually talk about this stuff around guys. Yeah. Was when I was in college doing my um, uh, communication design classes. And we were learning about thumbnails, which is like where you create like little small images. Right. For like a design board or an Uh idea board. Right. Mm -hmm. Not for web. Oh, not for web. Okay. Artistic like design board where you have like just little small boxes that you. Okay create an idea okay and so the the um the theme that he picked was um women's feminine products oh gosh and of course (laughs) i mean in a class where there was only two girls and all the rest were guys that's definitely something they would have to learn to overcome oh that's true that's true well and you've got to learn to overcome it too because you had to to learn to to overcome it in a different way i had to learn to be able to talk about it with other people and keep a straight face and not be embarrassed right they had to learn what it was like to be a woman and need to buy those products right and how to appeal to a woman so they're also like having to overcome some other kind of barrier as well. Right, right. And I was just like, you know, wow, actually sitting down and like giving out ideas of like these thumbnails for a commercial or a web advertisement or a uh-huh. flyer and just giving like visual aid, you know. Yeah. That was really interesting to me. Like I felt like not every woman gets the opportunity to just openly discuss that kind of stuff. Like, right, right. But yeah, the, I, I – I think that's a a valid point that it's, it's not just us who's embarrassed about talking about it. I mean, you know, guys don't want to have to go in the store and buy your Kotex, you know, they have that same embarrassment. And I will tell you, even today, even, even me at 58 years old, I, I hesitate to walk down that aisle of the grocery store because I don't want anybody to think that that's what I'm buying. And if I have to buy, um, like, a, a feminine lubricant or a yeast product or something like that, <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm going to go to the women checker, you know, so that and just slide it in there with all my other stuff. So nobody knows what it is and, you know, things like that. And, you know, talking about things that your mother never talked about. The first time I ever had a yeast infection, I thought I was going to die. Same. And, and my mother had (laughs) never told me about anything like that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about that? That's a very common thing, a very common thing. And especially with women who have asthma or any kind of immuno uh, issues, diabetic, um, if you're on antibiotics, it, it's so common. Why are we like, shh, shh, don't tell anybody, you know? Right. It's okay to talk about a sinus infection, but yes, not, but yeah. not there. You know, it's like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? Urinary tract infections. Hello. Mm-hmm. How many women get urinary tract infections when they're young because they don't know that you How have to wipe, to wipe properly. the from front to back only and that you have to use the restroom before and after sex because that's what clears your urinary tract from any bacteria that could have gotten there from yeah. whatever. Um but, you know, there's so many things like that that we don't talk about. Um, caffeine makes your boobs hurt. Mm-hmm. How many people know that do that? You know, we, you figure it out. It, it's over. been so long oh, since and too I've much had sodium, caffeine. You get like oh, wait. little knots in the oh, sides yeah. of your boobs sometimes okay. if you get too much yeah. sodium. Yeah. yeah. I, the only do, thing I remember my mother telling me about boobs was that you have to wear a bra or your boobs will sag when you're old. Well, guess what, ladies? Your boobs are going to sag when you get old, you know even if what? you wear a bra. And I heard that, too, and I thought, I'm going to wear my bra 24-7. And I literally slept in a bra. My sister did, too. Yeah, and I have probably the saggiest boobs ever. It has nothing to do yeah. with whether you're wearing a bra. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It oh, did. let's talk about, if we're going to talk about that, and we're talking about boobs and just different body parts, nipple things, like... I wish someone had just told me that everybody's look different and don't oh, worry yes. about what yours look like because yes. they're all different. Yeah. Different, different sizes, <laughs> different shapes. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I feel like all of my life I was like, mine don't look like everybody else's, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I wish I had just known they were going to not look like everybody else's and that there well, wasn't like. How many of us got our idea of what breasts look like from Barbie, y- <laughs> Barbie, or are sneaking a peek at the Playboy magazine, right? Uh, you know, any of those things, yeah. It, or watching in a movie or whatever, you know, uh-huh. where they don't look anything like a normal. You know, I don't know. They're airbrushed. They're, you know, they probably had a boob job. Um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. When even so. if you don't see any of those, like in nudity, just uh, Sports Illustrated itself. Well, no, yeah, that nobody talked the, about the nipple magazines showing through the through the swimsuit. Like, uh, yeah. Nobody Which, talked about in magazines like how they airbrush. I mean, now it's oh, all over the place, yeah. but like how they airbrushed models. Oh yeah. So you know, a generation of girls growing up thinking that they, oh my gosh, I've got pimples i've got yeah freckles and it's so wrong because all these people in the magazines they don't have any of that stuff right well, it's right. airbrushed it's airbrushed out uh it, tyra banks has talked about that uh, a lot about her some of her sports illustrated swimsuit um cover things or whatever about how much they airbrushed her to look 
smaller than she was oh, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I spent my early 20s when I weighed, you know, like 112, 113, 114 pounds thinking that I was overweight or fat because I have, um, I call it your pooch, <laughs> you know, from your belly button to your, um, the top of your groin, you know, it kind of pooches out just a little bit. And I thought I was fat because the airbrushed models don't have that. Well, so many women kill themselves working out to get rid of that yeah. because they see the models in the magazine not having that. Exactly. When in reality, they do have they that. They do have that. <laughs> they just airbrushed it out. Yeah. So, yeah, I I agree. Um, there's, there's so, so much. Um, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, are women, you know... Are we are we getting better at this? Are we talking? I think well, obviously I mean, we're talking about it more because we're talking about well, it. Well, I think also the invention of the internet well, and yeah. having technology and having technology in, in your hand, literally, where you can research things and look things up or right. write on a message board. Hey, this is right. happening right. to me. Right. And then other women say, Hey, this is happening to me. Right. And so then there's a whole conversation going on mm-hmm. out there about, Hey, these things are happening to me, but nobody ever talked about it. Right. Like we talked about in our last podcast, the Me Too mo- movement. Mm-hmm. That was um, something that the message Those boards and were- people <laughs> talking to each other, that's what um, spurs these things on. Whereas, you know, growing up in the 80s when there was no internet, we only knew the people that were on our block. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. you only knew the people that were in you your talk- town if you were in a small town. You talked to your girlfriends or whatever, yeah. or your sister. And so or, if, yeah. and so if, like, say, my best friend growing up had a completely different body type than me or mm-hmm. had a completely different sexuality, whatever then there was like, um, you know, we didn't like have that in common to talk about certain things. Or yeah. if your best friend growing up was a guy, same mm-hmm. deal. You couldn't talk about them and maybe you were embarrassed to talk to your mom, cousin, grandma, whatever. And now that kids and adults and everything have the internet in their hand, they can talk to somebody that lives in the next town over. They can talk to somebody that lives in the next country over. Right. I right. think with social media too, although your name is attached to it, there's like that wall the of protection. An- the anonymity. You're anonymous. Yes. Yeah. And so you can go on TikTok and tell people about your favorite tampon brand and why you like it so much without right. even mm-hmm. showing right. your face. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. And all the other women can see your video and, Right. Be like, hey, I want to try that. Right. And and that's because anyone and everyone can tell their story and share their story. Now everyone's voices are being heard. So Mm -hmm. the conversations are like fueling. uh, Who knows where our society will go, um, you know, 20, 40 years from now. Right, right. We I, will I be thinking about it, and other people will hear it in our mind. <laughs> oh, because go. we will have evolved the consciousness to where... Oh, you're too funny. No, <laughs> no, like, no, like, you'll just think a little tiny bit of thought, and then Google, Google will hear it, 
and then it'll be on your phone. You'll we'll have a chip in our head. Google will hear it, and we can communicate it with somebody else (laughs) because it because Google right (laughs) because Google own Google Facebook will own everything. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. And it'll all go on our social media feed like that episode in the Orville. Oh, (laughs) jeez. All right. So um, did we have any other things we wanted to talk about that um, our mothers never told us or things that surprised us about? um, I do. Basically, um, you know, nobody ever tells you to, like, Go to the doctor and get yourself checked out. It's uh, and especially in my household growing up, it was just kind of a stigma, a stigma, stigma of that we couldn't afford the doctor, right. so don't I get had that sick as well. If you're not you know, sick, you can't go to the doctor. You're not going to the doctor. So like these tumors that I was growing, I was been growing them for years, and I didn't go to the doctor until my mid twenties to get them checked out because. You know, I was bleeding in a place that I didn't feel like, you know, that I shouldn't have been bleeding. And I'm like, why am I sick? I mean, Mm -hmm. for a couple of years, I hadn't been feeling very well, Mm -hmm. but I just ignored it because I was taught growing up, you know, don't go to the doctor unless you're dying. And I'm like, well, I'm still living. I can still walk. I can still talk. Why do I need to go to the doctor? And then I started, you know, bleeding. And then I was like, this isn't normal. I feel bad. I had been having lower back problems for a couple of years. And um, I go to the doctor. Like it actually took to get to that point, it took several doctors. And, you know, I finally got to see what they were talking about. And then I had these tumors that were the size of babies inside my body and you know the doctor's like well this is like the source of all of your problems Mm -hmm. why you have problems losing weight why you have lower back problems Mm -hmm. it all was stemmed to this and you know so now I cannot have a child naturally if I'm if Jason and I are going to have children we'll probably have to adopt Mm -hmm. and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that at all I had planned on doing it anyway but um losing the um ability to have a child Mm -hmm. was really kind of devastating for me in my 20s right because if I had been going and getting checkups regularly they might have caught this Mm -hmm. and it would be a different story right well and you know likewise um you know you're talking about how you didn't go to the doctor Um, and you know, but for me, I had issues also. And what I found was that doctors were all are often dismissive of women's problems. Um, and I found that female gynecologists tend to be the worst about being dismissive of female problems. Female doctors in general, like, um, my grandmother had, heart problems and she was very dismissive about my grandmother's heart problems Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and my grandmother you know could you know almost died because of it well I had um I I also have PCOS um and I wound up with fibroid tumors 
I had uh, at the time I didn't know that's what it was, but um, for for many 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 years, I had very heavy periods. Um, I reacted very poorly to the birth control pill. I could not take the birth control pill because mm-hmm. um, it it just really messed with my system. I would mm-hmm. um, my Same. period would last forever. It, I would you know just have all kinds of cramps and it was really bad. And um, when I went to different gynecologists, it was like, well, you're getting older. You've had a couple of kids. It's normal. Uh, It's common. Not it's normal. It's common. It's common for women your age to have problems. It's common for women your age to have heavy periods or to have really long periods or to have erratic periods. Um, It's common for women... um, you know, of your age to have really bad cramps. We're talking debilitating cramps. Um, I had them so bad when I, uh, I had had surgery to donate a kidney to my sister. And so I had a big scar, big uh, incision on my left side. And I, when I had my period that month after that surgery, my, uh, cramping was so bad. I thought I had busted my stitches open. It was so bad. I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand up straight. I was just like bent over. It hurt so bad. And I went to, my husband took me to the emergency room. And the first thing they did was to give me a pregnancy test. They didn't check my incision. They didn't look at my medical records or anything like that. They gave me a pregnancy test. And then after it, of course, showed up that that's not what it was, they sent me home and told me that it was probably just a cystic ovary and um, take this Motrin. And they gave me prescription strength Motrin and sent me home. And so then I went back. I went to a gynecologist. I went to a new gynecologist and said, Hey, I think I'm having this. Oh, yeah, that's common. That's common with women your age. It's probably polycystic ovaries, blah, blah, blah. Did nothing for me. Repeated doctors over and over and over again, male, female, all of them ignored it until I was 42 years old. And I finally found a gynecologist after going to repeated different gynecologists and telling them I have these debilitating cramps um I have them twice a month not I have them when I ovulate yeah I mean like twice a month I would have these so when I ovulated I would have these terrible terrible cramps where I couldn't get out of bed I had to put a heating pad on I was in bed for two days and I I literally thought that my you know my appendix was gonna burst or you know whatever and um and then I would, when I had my period, I would have cramps again and, and it was like horrible. It was horrible. Um, so, so heavy. And when, you know, every time I would say that, you know, this to the doctors and they would just say, well, that's common, that's common. And they would do nothing about it. And I finally got a hold of this one doctor and I got on the phone with her and I was telling her about the thing. And I say, everybody just says it's common, but common doesn't mean it's normal. Common does not mean it's normal. And this is not normal. I'm trying to tell you, this is not normal. And I was literally crying on the phone. And she said, 
you know, this was the first nurse or whatever that was on the phone with me. Um, she was like, it's okay. We'll take care of you. And, and lo and behold, you know, I went to the doctor and I, I had huge, huge fibroids, um, you know, huge ones. And, um, and then I had the polycystic ovaries as well. So I was having two different problems all at the same time. And all of these other doctors for 10 or more years had just ignored it. And I don't understand that. And I don't understand female doctors who, um, when you tell them you have really bad cramps, they're just like, oh, take some Motrin. It's like, you don't understand. Just because you don't suffer that kind of pain doesn't mean that other women's pain is not real. And it doesn't mean that it's not severe. And sometimes Motrin is not enough to quell that pain. It's not. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, I really, I hate that, that some women minimize that um, because it, it can be very debilitating. I actually was hemorrhaging. Um, by the time the doctor, um, you know, figured out what was going on, I was hemorrhaging so bad. That I, I, they almost didn't do surgery because I was so anemic. Um, but we had gone on a trip with our Boy Scout troop. And um, I started hemorrhaging on the trip. And I couldn't even get out of the bathroom before I had completely saturated both a maximum size tampon and a maxi pad. They were completely saturated with blood. And I went home. My husband had to drive me home from this thing with a, a sheet between my legs because it was so bad. And that was, you know... It, it was just terrible. And, and like I said, I had just been minimized by so many doctors and nobody ever said anything about that. Nobody ever talks about how bad the bad can be. And so you just don't know that, you know, I, I probably should have had a hysterectomy many years before I did, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, doctors I don't listen. I guess I was lucky in a sense that I found out about my problem in a roundabout way. Right. I uh, ended up having to get a CAT scan, but they, you know, were looking in a different area of my body because they thought it was a different thing. Uh -huh. And so in the report for the CAT scan... It was kind of an afterthought when they said, oh, by the way, you have cysts, you have tumor, you know, whatever on your ovaries, you know, or and everything like that. And so it was kind of like a, okay, well, this is kind of alarming. Right. These words are very alarming. And the doctor was just like, oh, well, you need to talk to your gynecologist about that. And I'm like, okay, another doctor. Yeah. But luckily, I had a gynecologist, and I wish I still had her. I wish she was still practicing. But I had a gynecologist that um, she was very understanding about everything. And when I uh, showed her the report, she immediately said, well, let's get you in for a sonogram. Mm -hmm. And... 
you know, like my thing, my tumors were so big, like I said, they were the size, one of them was the size of a cantaloupe and the other one was the size of a grapefruit. Mm-hmm. And you could see them like they were babies on the yeah. sonogram. And it was very scary to me. You know, it was like I was pregnant with two sacks of pus, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, I joked about it at the time. Hey, these are my tumor babies. But in reality, if somebody had kicked me in the stomach, I probably would have died. Oh, wow. Yeah. So scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, very, that was definitely a very scary time in my life. I can't believe it was. I mean, I was in yeah. my 20s. It was like over 10 years ago. So it's life, life changing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I just, I think we should talk more about these things, you know, that these things are, they're not meant to be secrets. They're just medicine. They're just life. And um, I'm hoping that this will open up a dialogue with some of our listeners that um, if you don't want to talk to us, talk to your friends, talk to your mom, talk to your mom, you know. Yeah. She may be uncomfortable about it, but she's not going to not talk to you probably. Um, you know, maybe she wanted somebody to talk to when she was that age too. So. Right. I think sometimes it's just finding that common ground that's something right. that's relatable. I think you and I didn't start talking about it until we talked about cramps. And then yeah. it was just like, oh, you have those too? Yeah. Like, you know, oh, my gosh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then it was just like, oh, you know about endometriosis, too? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's there's there's so many things that uh, the human body is a very complex organism. And there's no way everyone can know everything about it. And that's why it is important to talk to each other about. I mean, we talk to each other about our hair and how to make our fingernails grow and you know how to lose weight yes so you know what makeup do you use what's your skincare routine so do you lift bro (laughs) (laughs) so you know uh, we should talk about these things to, to each other to our girlfriends to to our spouses, so our spouses can understand mm-hmm. um, how debilitating those cramps are, or they can understand the brain fog that happens when your hormones get out of whack, or, um, you know, and so they won't be dismissive um, when you do have that angry outburst <laughs> during that time of the month or whatever, you know. So, um, you know, it's, it's important, I think. So, um, do y'all have anything further to add to that? No, I don't. No. Okay. I think we well, covered more than I actually expected. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so, uh, hopefully, uh, you've enjoyed this uh, podcast today. If you did, if you have some information you'd like to share, you want to talk to us about it some more hop on over to modernmusings.net um that is our um blog and you can make comments there you can also join us on the mmc chat which is our facebook chat group you can access it from our facebook uh modern musings page and um if because if you're only listening to the podcast you're only getting part of that story 
And we want to thank Red Door Studios and Creative Audio Tech for our equipment and our theme music. And what is next week, Miss Amber? I believe that's you. Well, next week we are talking about a book that I have started reading, and it's some very good stuff. It's a self-help novel. It's called Girl, Wash Your Face, and we're going to talk about some of the key points in that novel about the lies that we tell ourselves. Oh, good, good. That that Looking sounds like it goes that. right in our goals, girl. Yes, stuff. And, Definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right, so um, that's it for this week. Catch us next week for um, girl, wash your face. Mm-hmm. All right, and um, have a great weekend. 